Yeah. They say the toughest things happen to the toughest people. I think it too. So why the toughest things happen to me? I think it too. Am I the toughest people happen to see? I'm feeling blue. All these things run through my head too. I'm feeling you. So pay attention what I'm finna do. I'ma sit you down and talk to you like an interview. I wanna have a conversation with the inner you and simply tell you God loves you and that he's into you. It's the truth. And for the life of me, I can't see why. He continue to help us even when we don't try. He continue to rep us when we think that lie and bring us back to the earth when we think we fly and the pain don't last long it's a lesson in it although it's hard to go through without a stressing in it and sometimes you want to cry because all the testing in it but if you just hold on it's a blessing in it i know the feeling you get when you think something missing laughed at and talked about and people say they christian because of god in your life is things you can't mention so you take it and keep praying and hope god listens yeah it's not a good feeling to feel when you pray it's not going past the but understand your problem is not appealing God hears and working on the healing It's a great feeling So in the meantime, in between time Even though you may be feeling some kind of ways Just walk by faith and not by sight Lift your head in the air and give him some praise Just hold on CFR Network, CFR News, back again, Feminine Energy, returning guests for the uh, for the part two. Now, um, in a stable and settled location, so uh, trustfully, we will have a lot more clear audio on, uh, on this uh, conversation. Welcome back to the broadcast, young lady. How are we today? Good. How are you? Excellent. We've just had a, a torrential downpour of sorts, it, uh, <laughs> and I had the washing out. But outside of that, um, it's good. It's good. Grass is growing. The trees are bearing fruits. <laughs> we we can't say much better than that. And, yeah. and potentially, we'll be coming out of this uh, lockdown very soon. So we might think so. Yes, cop always helpful as you um, as you have the same sort of um, mentality and ideology. Um, let's catch up. Let, let's actually no, let, let's jump into the into the Delorean and let's go back in time. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So. Where was we born and raised? I was born and raised in Northwest Ohio, which is very much on the border of Michigan. So Michigan, you can hop in your car and be in Michigan in about 20 minutes from where I grew up and um, grew up there, went to college there, started my career there in Ohio. And um, overall, I've been in the news business, started in, in print journalism uh, for about 20 years. I was in television news for about 13 years. And then half of that time I spent as a main evening news anchor. Uh, went to, like I said, I went to college in Ohio. And then um, I worked at all of our affiliates in town over the mm. course of my career. 
So we have, you know, the NBC, ABC, Fox, and um, CBS. And I worked at every single one of those <laughs> over I'm, the course of my career. I didn't plan it out that way, but that's just how it how it happened. Well, and I, go I, ahead. With you going into obviously very different. I mean, it's it's, it's still media, but you know, all, each of those. NBC, Fox, that they have, uh, some of them have quite different takes on what the news is. So how was it sort of navigating, like being, I guess, on the left side and then going to another organization, you you, you know, you're more pr promoting the sort of right-hand side of, of things? Well, I guess I didn't really notice that um, in the beginning, being in, at a local news affiliate, um, you are a little bit more shielded from the political biases. Uh, generally, you don't really get into one leaning or the other, except for in your national news blocks. But I, I hadn't really experienced that in the beginning of my career, one lean or the other. It was really within the past two, three years that I mostly noticed the leaning happening. Um, and I would definitely say that the leaning was more hev heavily favored um, from the left point of view, um, as far as that goes. So uh, that was kind of part of what troubled me in the past two, three years is I just felt like the direction of news was changing and it was becoming more unrecognizable where there was ideological uh, pushes, if, if you will. And I wouldn't have felt comfortable with that, whether it was from the right or from the left. Um, I my observation is that it was more from the left, but really I wouldn't have felt comfortable either way because I feel like when you're presenting yourself as just news, then it should just be that. Um, but I've definitely seen this sh shift in um, ideology over just delivering information. And um, I definitely see it more with the younger generation of graduates that are entering the field. They there's this arrogance almost like we we're journalists and we're here to <laughs> make sure that the audiences are are getting the truth and like like there's some gateway to the yeah. truth and the way that i was brought up in this world of journalism when i graduated college it was more protection of just delivering news and a respect for the audience to decide for themselves once you brought them both sides and brought your sources and your documents and all of that, leaving it up to the audience. So I was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with this shift to where suddenly the journalists are supposed to be this beacon of truth and we get to decide for the audience <laughs> what the truth is. I mean, that became unrecognizable and it just seems like such an arrogant approach to journalism and one yes. that I did not feel comfortable with. What I do feel like contributed to that is obviously when President Trump won the election, he was a president that I think that we can all agree was was not like any other president <laughs> in recent history. And um, he was very, you didn't get much of the political um, or professionalism, we'll say, that you got with past past presidents, which was very uncomfortable for some people. They didn't, yes. they didn't like his, his everyday man approach and his brashness. And um, since he basically was calling things like he saw them and um, 
will say many times criticizing the news and calling it fake news. I yeah. think that what that did is it put many journalists on the defense. Um, but, but, but at the end of the day, it was, it's very trite when you, when you really just think, think of it diplomatically. So you have journalists that were put on the defense because, oh, this president is calling me names or, oh, this president <laughs> is, is questioning our authority. So I think that it was actually his presence that contributed to almost this being on the defense and embracing this, like, I'm a journalist, I'm a frontline person, I'm, yeah. I'm this authority. I it, it, it almost contributed to that pendulum shift of journalists feeling like they had to ideologically be opposed to him because they felt attacked. For me, uh, I would like to think I'm more of the diplomatic um, person who can keep an open mind and yeah. recognize him for what he was, which was definitely a very different president than we've been used to. But I was never offended. Like when he would say things like fake news, I, I would be open-minded enough to be like, yes, there's definitely a presence of fake news out there. So I need to take personal responsibility for myself and my involvement in this news process to make sure that what I'm delivering is not fake news. It's, it's just news. It's just it's news telling people who said what yeah and and that's just the bottom line of it whereas i feel like other journalists like took up personally but what's fascinating is if you really look at what ha has happened to the press over the years he was the least abrasive in terms of actual legislation or anything that would have threatened the press i mean we had much more oppressive legislation and and um like espionage act things like that under obama that that threatened the freedom of the press like mm. in actual actual form not just oh he called me a name you know what i mean like it was like it's feelings uh, and emotions that the yes, uh, yes totally so what we saw in an actual past presidencies was more oppressive and threatened freedom of the press than than president trump so mm. it's just all very fascinating if you just can kind of take yourself out of it and look at it diplomatically and see what really truly happened it's it's the last um art of sort of detaching yourself from a situation to you know to as they say have a bird's eye view and 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 really look at the the pluses and minuses and at that point we can then draw a conclusion or even present the information this is one side of the story or the argument and here's another side you as the as the viewers and as the audience do with this as information as you will but i've presented it to you rather than mm, you know this is the this is the the agenda or this is what i would like to impart and this is how you should feel about said presence i mean he was definitely polarizing he was definitely very different to many other presidents that um, america has had um i kind of liken him to very much to a, a ronald reagan in so many of the, the the situation around him becoming the person he is kind of thing and some of the speeches were taken from um ronald reagan as you as you I would imagine you're aware of um mm -hmm. but what i think um 
which the powers that should have never have been are doing is it's it's compartmentalizing it's putting people into into boxes into tribes to say look i belong to this this is all that i'm interested in forget everything else and it was a refreshing change to see um donald trump do and say the things that he was doing some of it was quite you know very much risque um some of it i find there were some very good things that that, that trump did but at the same time the presidency prime ministers are heads of corporations which are listed within companies house so this tells you i mean going deeper into a corporation it's a dead body um you know this is a game so it doesn't matter who is up there the ultimate goal is someone will want wants to stab you in your neck um like directly in your face and the other side wants to creep up from behind and slit your throat. Right. I mean, ultimately, death is the is the goal. It's just how we go about doing. And then let's let's throw the third equation in here. Then we've got the other side saying, okay, we will we want the same result, but we don't want people to see it, so we will poison you to kill you. Yeah. So well, like, what do you want? Do you want the death in your face? Do you want the death from behind that you don't know? Or do you want to be slowly <laughs> poisoned? Everything is going to lead to our demise. So I think, you know, as many people are thinking, what are we supposed to do um, as, as, as humanity, as mankind? We do need structures in place. We do need um, some form of governance to a point. But how can how can that be manifested into the three-dimensional realm with true equality? Well, I mean, and then there's that debate too, the whole difference between the definitions and, and the almost meshing of the definitions of equality versus equity. Mm. And um, I mean, I think we all want uh, equality, but, but equity means something entirely different and um, there's just two different approaches with that. One side is saying that that all things should be um, equal no matter what, essentially. Which is, <laughs> which is a total perversion of the sense of equality, but yes, right. I totally agree. Correct. Um, whereas the other is like, no, um, you know, equality means everyone's given the same opportunity. That doesn't mean they all end up with the same result. Mm. And I think that you have one side saying quality means we all end up with the same result, but that goes against what the foundation of our country was built on. So, I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. So much of the problems that we're having, the division that we're having is because we're dealing with different sets of definitions. I've noticed being someone in journalism who loves writing and, and loves that whole process. Um, I'm very much fascinated by the definitions of words and um, how much of the time when we feel we're, we're arguing, it's because we're not even on the same page with the definition of word. Yes. We're seeing that in so many examples. Um, I mean, obviously the latest hot topic or one of the latest hot topics is, is this whole concept of, of critical race theory. And, and you have two sides defining this concept entirely differently. Those that would say that they're, they're defining that they want it are, are trying to say it's a very reasonable concept. We, we just need to make sure that we understand and appreciate our true history, the good and the bad. 
Um, whereas <laughs> the other side is maybe taking its it at its most extreme definition in the other direction that it's it's rooted in Marxism and um, and is actually <laughs> very racist at its core, just in, in putting so much of an emphasis on color. So it's another example of just how how we can't even agree on on what this concept means let alone <laughs> let alone have um a a good discussion or discourse about it i think as you've highlighted the key thing is to 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 clearly delineate what on earth are we talking about you know <laughs> what what does yes. what does the term what does these terms mean and how how is that then implemented how is that played out I, I do see, and I would like your opinion on this. I've seen some some media, um, and I've, I hear you know podcasts and stuff saying that white people basically are being attacked, um, especially not physically attacked, but in in respect of their them being white. You know, um, they've got to feel bad about being white. You know, all of the bad things that potentially not all, but some of their ancestors may have, may have um, sort of partake, taken in. Um, and it's having a, a real detrimental effect on people. How do you unpack that? Is, is that a true statement? Is this really being forced, this quote unquote white guilt on everybody? Uh, I, I do feel like that. I feel like there's a whole movement of suddenly we all need to feel uh, guilty or bad about our history we can understand and know our history can feel bad about it but like to to have to carry that forward at what point is it going to to be good enough to acknowledge the sins of our past you know at, at what point there's got to be some kind of a threshold or end game or end goal for me personally there's been an intense pressure to to swing that pendulum the other way to the extent that when I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in news or not. And I had a news agent out of New York who was looking when I got laid off for my next gig, he told me that many of the news stations were facing so much pressure to, to uh, hire minorities that I was just simply like my tape wasn't even being looked at. Um, because they were only interested in, in hiring minorities. So I'm like, so basically I am not even getting looked at because of the color of my skin. Mm. <laughs> it seems like counterintuitive to what we're trying to do here. Um, so that was confirmed. I was, I was seeing only minorities were being, being hired. And the thing is, is I have no issue with, with uh, minority representation. I just think um, that it needs to be equitable in the sense of like, if your purpose is to make, um, have, have minority representation on the news, then um, are we trying to make that newsroom 50%, 60%, 70%, you know, um, surely, it should, surely it should be just equal. If we're, if we're looking well, at trying to but, balance but, but it out. The, Right. Here's the issue, though. Like if you are in a community and you're trying to represent your community and 20 percent of your community is a minority because of societal pressures, the local news stations, 
feel they need to hire my more minorities. Um, are you trying then to have 50 or 60% minority representation, but your community is actually 20% minority? Do you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, I totally understand. There clearly are, there isn't a, a, a blanket in regards to, okay, you know, across America, Central America, across the UK, we have in certain states or cities, we have a 50% of everything, you know, a clear, that is in, in, an impossibility. So where right. appropriate, then of course, as you say, it should be based upon Number one, if we are looking at quotas and making sure that, you know, okay, well, we've got a, a, an 80-20 sort of population, um, what does it look like in regards to the, uh, the the media? Are they really reflected in that? And can we boost numbers up? Of course, that should be done. Um, right. But not just because there's this, this um, organization, um, Black Lives Matter, which is, <laughs> as you're aware, it's... <laughs> In essence, the name, of course, Black Lives Matter, um, Brown Lives Matter, White Lives, you know, <laughs> that was born out of injustices against, you know, quote unquote, African Americans. But the 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 movement is has nothing to do with the restoration or helping of Black people, Black males specifically. I mean, we can look at the website and it, it's all about single parents or well, single female parents, you know, um, LGBTQI and all the rest of the letters that they've got. You know, it's nothing to do with empowerment, with, you know, upliftment, with really asking these uncomfortable questions and, you know, trying to change the training and the um, the ideologies of some of the, the police, maybe some of the judges. So we have a bit more fairness going on within the, the criminal justice system. Yeah, I mean, and but my, my thing too is that I've, of course, worked with plenty of super talented minority journalists and to me it feels so uncomfortable that like they're super talented enough on their own like they don't they don't need you to cater to them mm -hmm. like well like oh you're a minority like then you're hired like no it's just like they they were going to be able to be in those positions because of their skill set period so yes. to to make it about like oh, we have minority representation now. I, it just seems so demeaning of a way to approach it. And like I said, if you have a pool of applicants and 10% of those applicants for, let's say an anchor position are minorities and you, and then you, but you end up with 50% of the newsroom being minorities I, I it's just it doesn't it doesn't yeah. add up it's like that then you are you're punishing a certain um subsect of your applicants based on the color of your skin which is supposed to be what you're yeah trying to move away from <laughs> now some some would would rash say well okay well i mean it was like that hundreds of years ago uh that that people were turned away because of their color of their skin. So it's only fair now, but like, it's like, no, that it hasn't happened when I was alive. <laughs> like, like, why should, why should I be 
passed over because of the color of my skin for, you know, the sins of my father, if you will. Mm. So it's just like, that's what I'm saying. At what point are, can we agree? Will there ever be a point that we can agree to just be like, okay, now it's time to throw this whole concept of color out the window and just judge people based on the the content of their character, if you will, or their skill set, you know, I mean, at what point can we get there? Mm. So that's what, where, where it's just like, that's why it, it, it seems like a problem that, that can't ever be solved. So, so why are we swinging the pendulum so far in the other direction? But it's also a subject that we can't even necessarily talk through. I'm willing to like hear arguments on both sides, but it's, it's very difficult to talk, to even talk about because it's like, no matter what you say, or even like wanting to talk about it and talk through it, it's just mm-hmm. like, the term racist just being thrown around <laughs> like so much. It's like, it's like, yes. hey, I want to talk about this. You, you can get called a racist before you even get the sentence out there. Like, can yeah. we talk through this? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to understand. It's, so it, I think it puts puts everybody almost like walking on eggshells because it's yes. like you can't even have these difficult conversations because the name calling. <laughs> mm. it's, it's, it's all parts. Everything is unfortunately so interconnected these geo-social political terms I mean when I look at my skin it's it's not black I've got black hair I've got a black beard (laughs) you know with hints of gray in there but my skin isn't black and when I look at yourself I don't see your skin as white (laughs) these these terms they're crazy they're absolutely Mm -hmm. crazy it's it's Again, as I say, a, a, a social geopolitical term which was put on the, the, the people, the victors, quote unquote, of history, they're the ones who write history, the ones who are in power, they create the, the fooling system and indoctrinate children, which become adults, into thinking certain ways and having misconceptions about people from different ethnicities, from different countries, etc., etc. So it's a big ball of confusion at the moment. We've got people who, who are 50, 60 years of age, and they haven't really conversed or interacted with anybody outside of their own potential nation. Mm-hmm. So they can't understand or have any kind of empathy or, or you know, sympathize with that other nation because all they know is what they see on television. So until we mm-hmm. humanize each other, and, and as you say, you know, if... If you're doing good things, you're doing good things. You know, you're a good, you, you know, you're a good person. It's not, oh, ooh, well, he's in a suit and he's white. Oh, he, he's got to be, he's got to be good. And, you know, or she's got to be good. And, you know, it, it's not about that. It's about what we're doing. You know, what are we doing as, as individuals, you know, and what we can do as a collective. Mm-hmm. So the things have been, there's been so much things that have been put in place. As I say, education, you know, and then we, we, we can, look into the, the the feminine aspect of it as well with with um the, the, the feminine movement um which was again a very good thing you know which bleeds into this blm thing it was a good thing in regards to <laughs> giving women rights <laughs> allowing them to quote unquote vote but from my recent my rudimentary research um i see um that was it the rockefellers that had something to do with this um, and it was basically to uh, another form of taxation, basically, to get mm-hmm. women out 
you know, because I was obviously, you know, keepers of the home. Let's empower women, get them in the workforce. If women are now working and it's not just men, we've got more taxes. <laughs> we can extract right. more, 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 more stuff from these people. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like things are put in place, which of course there was an issue there. So there was an issue with women being, you know, downtrodden, etc. So we, you know, something was done, but <laughs> it only sort of addressed the surface of it, and there was underlying things to to drive it. So again, with all what's going on now, you turn the television on. Within America, it's a lot different, but in, in the UK, generally there's not much representation in regards to like advertisement. So if you're advertising toothpaste, we don't see people of color on there. But as of the modern day lynching of George Floyd took place last year, within weeks, young lady, we are seeing personal advertisements for detergent. We're seeing a plethora of all these advertisements just popping up with loads of black people in there, yeah. quote unquote black people, quote unquote brown people, Asians, mixed families, and all kinds of stuff. And like, wait a minute, the whole the whole plane of existence is on lockdown at the moment. Only like emergency services can go to go, you know, go and work. So where are these actors coming from? Where are they going? And who's filming all this stuff and producing yeah. and editing it? Well, it is like the great hypocrisy of it all. I mean, we saw award shows here in America when everyone else was told they couldn't leave their home. You know, it's just like, I feel like that's another thing that people of color, people of different political persuasions could, I wish would unite on is, is the recognition of that instead of trying to, to divide us on the basis of color or wealth or political persuasion, we should just be recognizing that there's already a division in place of um, the elite and the powerful and then yes. the rest of us, you yes. know? I mean, if we could, if we average people could come together, even when we disagree, but could come together and, and agree that, you know, all of the, mo- many of these politicians are corrupt, you know, like, <laughs> I think we could, we could all agree on that. And that, and that uh, many of these people in power and position are working on a whole different set of rules. And that's actually something that could unite us mm-hmm. uh, if there was more recognition of it. And, and that's what I feel like is also missing in terms of journalism is just more accountability. We as journalists, one of the tenants is to hold those in powerful positions accountable, but we're not seeing that. It's like only one side is held accountable to ridiculous standards where we're, we're providing multiple unnamed sources for accusations, <laughs> but then the other side just gets like, a free pass we're we're not asking any of the reasonable questions a journalist would like why are these vaccinations being put uh, pushed to the degree that we're offering to pay people millions of dollars if they if they get a vaccination we'll enter them into a lottery to win millions of dollars to get this vaccine. like what is up with this massive push for vaccinations could could the amount of money behind them have anything to do with it? Like, why do we just automatically embrace that it's for the public <laughs> health? Period. And not and not ask more questions. I mean, this is just so fundamental to journalists. Like, 
it's just so strange to me seeing all these journalists showing their vaccination card and everything. That's great that you want to do that, but why do you feel like you matter enough to try and <laughs> be like, oh, I'm a news anchor. Here's my vaccine. You should get two. Like that is propaganda. Like yes. just give us the news. Just mm. tell us who, these are the people that are recommending you get it. And then these are those that have concerns, but, but obviously we're so not getting the other side mm -hmm. of these are the people that have concerns to the degree that YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. every single one of these massive social media information disseminators are not allowing us to even hear the other side. Something I've noticed as a journalist is that has very been routine as a journalist is, is we, we cater to the audience in the sense of like, they're always like, keep things simple. You know, people yes. are only half listening. So, so we'll use an expression instead of like pediatric doctor, we'll, we'll just say expert, you know, experts thrown around for everything because <laughs> it's just like this general term that, you know, people that or half listening can can hear and so it's like providing a source but you're yeah. not being very specific because you're very just saying, vague yes yes and so i mean it's gotten to the point where it's just so overused that we will consider uh just about you know anyone that's approved of an expert that will tell you experts say you should go get this vaccine and the booster blah 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 but then we're isolating and we're not hearing from others that how are they not considered an expert? I mean, we saw that with Dr. Robert Malone. He was the one of the people responsible for the whole technology behind this mm. new vaccine, the mRNA technology. And he what he has been effectively duct taped his mouth shut. Why is he not considered an expert we get to hear from? He has concerns. He's actually gotten the Moderna vaccine himself, but he has concerns and we're we're arbitrarily told we are not uh, allowed to hear him. I mean, YouTube had like take took him down, uh, or actually LinkedIn removed him from yes. from their platform. Which is a business I mean, platform. It, it, why just on one earth, example. Why on earth is LinkedIn getting involved in anything like that? <laughs> right, and it, it's that's just one example. But like, who are these people that get to arbitrarily decide? who the masses get to listen to. I mean, how is a man that is behind this technology not considered an expert to, to deserve being listened to? And, and why are not more journalists recognizing that no matter which side of the aisle they believe in, because it doesn't matter, mm. FYI, um, why are they not being more vocal and not seeing this? That's why it's just been so shocking and appalling to me is like, we as journalists, it's not supposed to matter what we think. The whole point of being a journalist is to <laughs> deliver what other people are saying and take yourself out of it. But yes, it's just like it's it's just mind boggling that that this has been cheered on by some journalists like, oh, we're going to protect misinformation. Well, how many examples do you need of the fact that in this effort to protect against misinformation, you've actually ended up misinforming the public? <laughs> I mean, there's multiple Multiple, examples. multiple on a daily basis, young lady. That, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, if you would allow the information to be free and fair and support the freedom of the press because my god you're in the press why are you not supporting freedom of, freedom of the press then we would actually be more informed we actually i mean 
some people might have even like died or been injured because of your efforts to shut certain people up and such certain information up i mean that's just how bad it is it's just crazy to me it's 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 very concerning it's very concerning that they it's almost like well it's not almost like <laughs> we're in a a, a a technological dictatorship mm-hmm. yeah and i mean and, and then the obvious defense that you usually get is like oh well facebook and you they're private companies they can do as they please it's just like okay well i mean what happened to your ideological stance of like what's morally right and what's morally wrong so you're saying that because these companies are private companies um that they can arbitrarily decide who gets to have a voice because that's what's happening i mean obviously they're what we've discovered is that we do need to have more alternatives we the dog just knocked the background (laughs) we need to have more alternatives um as far as we we shouldn't have allowed youtube and facebook become so big but but because they are they become largely the public square and that it's not it's not fair that like some people are just shut down they don't get to have a voice i mean and and then there's the other argument oh what about hate speech like how far does that go and it's just like okay well someone sharing their concerns about a virus we've never experienced before in our lives um the treatments in regard to that that's certainly not hate speech (laughs) so why are we well well, now um now they're not even saying hate speech it's medical misinformation (laughs) kirsty it's just like well, what are, what is your excuse then for effectively removing anything about hydroxychloroquine, anything about ivermectin, anything about these other alternatives? And then the studies that were done to rationalize removing that information were found to be faulty. There were retractions for the New England Journal of Medicine. There were retractions for the Lancet that, that rationalized the removing of this information from these platforms. And they were wrong. I mean, it, it was wrong. It was all faulty information. So it's just like, so that was the misinformation. That was the medical misinformation. And, and you were over there, over there cheering it on. So it's, Lions, it's, it's, doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And I'm being very optimistic in regards to uh, the majority of the journalists. I think they've, I think especially for the new ones coming in the older ones they've got no excuse the ones who have you know who have been through the training have been doing it for a number of years 20 30 years they know what journalism looks like what it tastes like when you you know what it what it feels like when you're doing the right you know i did a good job you know either we, we we covered that story you know we covered every angle you know what that what that picture looks like a lot of these new people i think when they're going through these these miseducation systems and stuff um, to be, you know to get to these professions, I really don't think that they're, they they can't be given the same level of information um, that you was taught because it, this goes totally against what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. They're literally okay. This is the script. This is the agenda. This is what we want. Okay, so you can you can use your own words. That's fine, 
but this is what we want to do. If anyone calls in and, and, and questions anything, just shut them down straight away and we'll cut them off and you can continue pushing the agenda that everybody needs to take it. Newborn babies need to take it. If you've had a newborn baby, we won't just give them hepatitis um, C, B, you know, vitamin K. We're going to give them a COVID vaccination as well. That's the next thing we're going to start promoting. So, you know, by next week, please start disseminating this. Get it on your social medias. And they're like, yeah, of course, we'll do it. <laughs> well, because they started talking in, in about advocacy journalism, which sounds really great. And that was like kind of like a buzzword I was hearing a lot is like, we have to have more advocacy journalism, which, like I said, when when they started saying that, I was like, yeah yeah, we need to work for a community. We need to get them information. They, they deserve to know what's going on and how they can be helped. It all sounded good, but what I ha started to realize is this was like actually a movement in disguise of <laughs> their idea of advocacy journalism yes. is actually like, we're going to decide how people need to think mm -hmm. and, we're, and we're going to massively put that out there, which as we know, is propaganda and so it's just advocacy journalism became a pretty way of saying propaganda and obviously i don't want to be any part of that it's so orwellian i mean how many people have read 1984 like are we not seeing so vivid parallels between that that book 1984 mm -hmm. which was written and published well published at least in 19 was it 1948 um, we've also got Aldous Huxley, A Brave New World. Don't we see this, these old texts? <laughs> and can we not correlate that? Wait a minute, these guys have been writing these books and, you know, and they've got pretty high connections as well, especially Mr. Huxley. Like, is there a, some kind of agenda and plan that these quote-unquote elites have? And, like, um, they don't have me like in a in a good place like it seems that the plan that they have has has leapfrogged so fast and so far that we as the the you know that the the 85 percenters the deaf dumb and blind we've just sort of ridden the wave accepted it all we haven't pushed back oh you can't you can't discipline your child anymore if you do that that's an offense no, the most. Yeah, you can I did do... notice that. <laughs> that it... coming out as well. Is that very big I... in the states? Yeah, I mean, CNN has just run a bunch. I mean, just ran a big article recently about spanking and how it's just a terrible way to discipline children, and and all of these studies related to that apparently. And I don't know. Didn't hurt but, me. But I mean, I, I think what it really comes down to. And the reason that I was always so drawn to journalism is, you know, I was that annoying kid that just wouldn't shut up and asked a lot of questions. And I, I think that is because I'm just inherently curious. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, and curiosity is like such a precious thing to have as a child and then and as an adult, you know, especially in journal journalism, we're curious. We want to know what's going on, what's yeah. happening, you know, what's the motivations? Is there conflicts of interest? I mean, these this is just so precious to journalism as a whole. And what I wish other journalists would see is there's an attack on curiosity and mm -hmm. skepticism. Mm -hmm. And these are just so fundamental to not just journalists, but humanity, yes. you know, 
we, we should be curious. We should be skeptical, but it's like, it's, there's an attack because as soon as you're curious, as soon as you're skeptical, how quickly you'll hear the word conspiracy theorist, you know? I mean, that's become <laughs> another buzzword. That's like basically being thrown around just as often as racism, <laughs> you know? I mean, these are these are the new buzzwords to shut people down. And what you're effectively doing is you're shutting down, you're making people afraid of being what's fundamental to again, not only journalism, but humanity, being curious, being skeptical, skeptical, asking questions, you know, and um, that's scary. Yes, and as, you, as you've used the term. Thanks for taking the time to tune into CFR Network. If you enjoyed the content, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and if you ain't already, most definitely share. If you'd like to go that step further and to support the broadcast, go over to sbmentality.com and go get yourself some merch. And also go check out my sponsor over at Instagram, Supreme of the UK. Thank you for your continued support. <laughs>